Thanks for listening to our sermons from Southbridge Fellowship. For additional resources or service information, visit us online at sfchurch.com. Morning, Southbridge. So I got an email the other day, and he was telling me how to read maps backwards. Turns out it was just spam. No? Didn't like that one? Okay. Stopped by a roadside stand that said lobster tails, $2. Like, man, I gotta get some of this. Uh, I paid the guy $2, and he said, uh, once upon a time, there was a lobster. Okay, you like that one? Uh, my wife accused me the other day of stealing her theosaurus. Not only was I shocked, I was aghast, appalled, and dismayed. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Oh, happy Father's Day, guys. Um, We love you. We appreciate you. Um, I love some dad jokes, right? Do you know know how to tell when a dad joke becomes a dad joke? When it becomes a parent? (laughs) Thanks, Bobby. Uh, no, happy Father's Day, though, guys. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, I do love dad jokes, though. It's funny. I actually have a calendar on my desk that each day uh, tells me dad jokes, uh, and I'm not even a dad, so I don't know what that says about me, my, my humor, or my personality, but uh, there it is. Um, it's funny, though, right? Our personalities, how uh, we're all so different, uh, like what we find funny, other people find funny, uh, what kind of drives us, what fears, what anxieties, what... Uh, worries we have. Um, I, I just love uh, the, the idea that we all have different personalities, that we're all created different. Um, and, and there's so many of those personality tests out there. Um, has anybody ever done a personality test? Okay, some of you are like, I hate personality tests, and uh, well, it tells a lot about your personality, so. Um, but there's so many different ones out there. There's uh, the Myers-Briggs one. Have you guys ever done, anybody done the Myers-Briggs one? Okay, uh, I'm an INTJ, uh, if you guys know what that is. Uh, if you don't, then you don't. Um, there's the uh, Clifton Strength Finders. You guys ever done, anybody ever done that one? Okay, a couple of you guys. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm the, like the strategic thinking side. Um, and then we have this one. Uh, it's the, the four colors ones. We've done this. We do this as a Southbridge staff, and each color represents something different. Anybody ever done this one? couple people. So you have a couple ones. You have blue, which is give me details, uh, green, which is show me you care, uh, yellow, which is involve me, and then red, which I am, which is be brief, be bright, be gone, which, uh, yeah, it tells you, tells you a lot right there. Uh, it's funny that that's the lengthiest one, and yet it's be brief. So, um, But then, then you have uh, my, my personal favorite one, which is uh, the Enneagram. Uh, we have the Enneagram. Has anybody ever done the Enneagram one? Okay, couple, couple people. I love this one. Uh, some of you are like, uh, Enneagram? I thought it was a pentagram. Like, this looks like it's from the devil or something. Um, it's not from the devil. It's, uh, it's called the Enneagram. Uh, and I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is the, the achiever. And uh, I love it uh, because I feel like these personality tests has helped me uh, learn a lot about myself, helped me kind of process uh, the way that I think, um, helped me kind of uh, show some of my unhealthy tendencies and areas of weakness, some of my blind spots. Um, one of the descriptions it says, it says about my personality, it says these personalities can be both the boldest dreamer and the bitterest pessimist. And so right there, I'm learning stuff about myself, and I, I think it rings to be true. I can find myself being very pessimistic at times. Uh, my wife helps me in that. She's a seven on the Enneagram, the enthusiast, and she's like the biggest optimist you'll ever find. Um, it says for me, when I'm, when I'm stressed, I become disengaged and apathetic, which I find myself 
myself often in situations when um, I'm, I'm running into conflict or stress. I just become so apathetic that I'm like, I just don't care anymore. And, and so he's revealing this about me. Um, it says that when, when I'm growing in my strengths, I become more committed, I'm more of a loyal friend, and um, I'm more cooperative. Um, one interesting thing it says, it says uh, they will become somebody noteworthy in their family or community. Um, it says in a religious family, they may become a minister or a priest, which I'm just like, how? How do they know this? Um, but we, we all have our own personalities, right? And we all have that that drives us and that which we're afraid of. Um, my basic fear in life is being worthless. And my greatest desire is to feel valued and worthwhile. Um, but we all, we all have our different personalities. We all have our struggles. We all have that that drives us. And that's what I love about these tests is it kind of reveals stuff about ourselves that we've never put into words that we might not have otherwise t- took time to ponder and think about. Um, it helps us to, to pause, reflect, and, and be able to pinpoint parts of us that's like, okay, I see, I see this area that I need to improve. Uh, but whether, whether you like personality tests or not, not, uh, they've ingrained themselves into our culture, into our workplace, into our families. I mean, now we have tests of uh, which Hogwarts class would you be if you went to Hogwarts? Would you be Gryffindor, Slytherin, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw? Or which, which Avengers would you be if you were an Avenger? Like all these different fun personality tests. And I just have to ask myself, why have they become so popular? Why do, why do we as people enjoy them so much? And, and I think it's because we're all trying to find out who we are. We're trying to understand ourselves. We're trying to find our identity. We're trying to find our validation in the person in which we are. Uh, I think for some of us, we all, de- we all desire this, the answer to the question, who am I? And, and oftentimes we struggle to find it. We struggle uh, with our identity. How many times have we asked ourselves the question or or something similar to, who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I on this earth? How many times have you you questioned your your value, your worth, your purpose? Who am I? How how do I fit into this world around me? Am I the the role that I play as a a dad, as a husband, as a spouse? Am I a set of uh, characteristics? My, my thoughts, my emotions, my actions. So today I, I want to spend some time talking about a, a timeless truth that may help some of you come to a conclusion to that question, who am I? It's a, it's a profound truth that can change your very life. It's, it's a mind-bending truth that is almost inconceivable to believe. It's a truth that is so out of this world that it will change how you see the world. The reality of this truth is so freeing and empowering. That profound, mind-bending truth today, you guys wanna know it? Is this, Jesus loves you. Some of you are not impressed by that. Some of you are like, ah, come on, man. we know this. We, we, we know Jesus loves us. We, we know that. Can you tell us something different? You know, you're, you're like, some of you are like, come on, Scott. Like, I, I learned this as a kid. Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. 
Some of you are like, come on, Scott, give, give me something new. I, seriously, I got up this morning, I put my clothes on, I tuned in online, and you're just here to tell me Jesus loves me? I get that. What's next? But truth is, it's just by saying that statement, Jesus loves you, I could end the message right there. Because if we could fully comprehend the magnitude of this truth, it would radically change our entire being. As, as, I was, uh, as I was preparing this message, I always pray, God, what, what do you want to say today? What do you want to say to us as your people? And as I was praying, I felt like God just said, tell them I love them. He said, what, what more of a timeless truth is there than that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, God, I don't know how you talk to God, but I'm like, yeah, yeah I get that, you love them, but like, what, what about it? Like, what's next? What's, what's, give, me, give me something cool. And he's like, just tell them I love them. I'm like, God, God, give me a break, man. Like, I, I gotta give them something profound, something, something crazy. I mean, these guys are used to me bringing treadmills onto the stage. Like, I can't just turn up and say, God loves you. They already know that. And I, and I felt like God said this. He said, if they knew I truly loved them, their lives would look different. Now, now this is not a message of, of condemnation. This is something we, we all struggle with. I struggle with this. I mean, I told you my, my basic fear is, is being worthless, is, is not feeling desired. I struggle with knowing that God truly loves me. And I think if we're honest, we, we all do. If we, if we knew the true capacity of who he is, and that even through all my mistakes, all my sins, all my difficulties, all my struggles, that Jesus, that God, the creator of this universe, the one that is the holy of holies, the one that we just sang about, the king of kings, that the one who was and is and is to come, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, the one who breathes stars into existence, the one that placed breath in your lungs this morning, the one that gives you life. If we could truly grasp that that God, that Jesus wants a relationship with you, that cares for you personally, that the one who is love loves you, that even when you are enemies against him, he sent his son to die on a cross because he loves you. If we could truly grasp that, that love would change our very life. But let's be honest, we, we often we get caught up in the here and now, right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but it's easier to, to place things on this world that, that are tangible. And, and I st stop seeing the world through his love, and I start seeing the world through the things of the world. So maybe I'm the only one here, but oftentimes I try to find my value or my worth or my identity in all different places. I try and find it in my job, in my, my accomplishments, in my family, in my friends, in my parents. Some of you might find it in your kids, our spouse, our money, our possessions, our physique, our social media. But all these areas are always going to fall short. The truth that should dictate our life is this, God loves you. Turn to the person sat next to you and say, God loves you. Those online, put it in the comments. Come on, say it like you mean it, guys. <laughs> Hear this today, let it, let it, let it just resonate. Just, just ponder upon it, reflect on it. God loves you.
I'm going to say it a lot this morning. God loves you. I'm going to say it so much so that you could probably watch this sermon back and play a drinking game the amount of times that I say it. I'm kidding, guys. Give me a break. Did he just say that in church? No, the reason why I'm saying it is because I hope that by me saying it enough that it'll start to resonate, that it'll go into our heads, go into our hearts, and we'll start to really believe it, that God loves you. God's love for you is unconditional, meaning that God, get this, God will never love you any more than he does right now. There's nothing you can do that will gain more love from God because he loves you already. He'll never love you more than he does right now. There's no getting my act together or trying to become a better person. God loves you the same right now. You see, God doesn't validate like people based on performance, but rather on relationship. Now, that may be hard for us to grasp today, but I really want us to try and grasp it because sometimes I feel like we can miss the greatest life change in our lives by 18 inches. Now, what do I mean when I say 18 inches? I've heard it said that the distance between our head to our heart is 18 inches. I don't know if that's true or not, but I like it, so I'm going with it. That oftentimes, we know it in our head. Okay, God loves us. I learned it as a kid. I read it in the Bible. God loves us, but we can't get it into our hearts. We often miss that life change by that distance. And most of us spend our entire lives trying to make a genuine connection between what we profess and believe in our head to what we actually believe in our heart. I want you to get it into your hearts today that Jesus, that God loves you. Now, maybe you're like me and, and you struggle with uh, God not loving you based off, off performance or accomplishments. Again, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I'm an achiever. And so I, I feel like I have to do something to, to gain love. But um, I want us to look at his word today and uh, see what we find out. So if you can do me a favor, uh, can you turn to Matthew 3, uh, chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 13. <clears throat> says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for this is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. Now, as we read this, keep in mind that the previous two chapters to Matthew, one and two, was Jesus being born. This is the first chapter we see in Matthew that Jesus, the Jesus that we know today, it turns up on the scene. He hasn't, he hasn't started his ministry yet. He hasn't, he hasn't traveled anywhere. He hasn't made disciples yet. We have no record of him at this point doing any miracles. He's just getting started. And yet we see the Father looking down on him and saying, this is my son who I am well pleased Jesus hasn't made a name for himself yet. He hasn't done the Sermon on the Mount. He hasn't done these miracles. People didn't really know who Jesus was. He was probably still referred to at this point as the carpenter's son. Yeah, his father looks down and says, I am well pleased. 
You see, God doesn't validate like people based on performance, but rather on relationship. This was his son. And today, if, if you're here and you're in relationship with God, you are his son, you are his daughter, and he's looking down on you and saying, I am well pleased. You see, but again, I struggle with that, right? Maybe it's just me, but like, if I'm being honest, and I'm, I'm going to try and be honest with you guys, it's like, I love people more when they add value to my life. Is that just me? Okay, yeah, it's just me. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, but like, like, come on, let's just be real. If, if somebody is like a punk to me, if someone is, is adding stress to my life, they're making my life difficult and they're being mean, I'm not going to love them that much. Like, that's just me. I'm, I'm not going to love them as much as somebody that is, has been nice, that's encouraging me, that's been helpful. And so, like, I, I struggle with this idea of love not being based off performance, because that's how I view the world. I love this person more because they add value to this, my life. I love this person less. But you see, God loves different. Again, I'm, I'm a three on the Enneagram. I, I achieve because I want to achieve love. I want people to love me, to like me. And so I wrestled with God about this. I'm like, how can it not be based off performance? How can you not love me based off performance? And he showed me something, and it changed the way that I, I started to view God's love. He showed me an image of something that we're all familiar with. It's an image of something that adds pain and stress to our lives. It, it makes our lives harder. It's taxing on our sleep, it drains our finances, it's hard work. Logically, it doesn't add anything of value or helpfulness to our life. In all honesty, it adds a lot of mess and a lot of stress to our life, and yet we love this tyrant, we love this monster so unconditionally. Do you want to see the, the tyrant that I speak of? Let's, uh, let's put it up on the screen. <laughs> this little monster right here. You laugh and some of you are like, oh, how cute. How can you call him a monster? Some of you are like, I can see why uh, he doesn't have uh, kids. Um, but but it, it, like, let's be honest. Is that these guys, these little tyrants, they're hard work. They, they add stress to your life, they, they, they cry, they keep you awake at night, they poo, they pee, they're, they're just nasty little things. <clears throat> they, don't, they don't do anything for themselves. Yet, we would lay our life down for them. When they're first born, they can't perform or achieve anything. They can't do anything on their own. They need their parents, they need adults around them. But yet, we love them. When, when a person becomes a, a mom or a dad, you, you're gonna hold that baby for the first time and you're gonna look down at your son and your daughter and you're gonna say, I am well pleased. It hasn't done anything yet. It hasn't performed. It hasn't achieved. But you have this unconditional love. And that's how God loves you today. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're going to make up. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. 
but he loves you. That's what I want you to know today is God loves you. Say it to yourself, say it out loud. Say, God loves me. God is your true father and he loves you so much. And I, and I know today is, is Father's Day and, and some of you have incredible dads. Some of you have amazing dads that are just there, they turn up, they consider you a hero, your best friend. Some of you are here and you don't have a great relationship with your dad. Some of you are here and you've been hurt by your dad. Some of you have, have lost your dad, some of you have lost your hero. So for some of you, Father's Day may, may be a celebration and for others it might be a hard and difficult day. But I just want you to know today, wherever you are, whether you're in this room watching at home, wherever you are today, I just want you to take comfort in the fact that your heavenly Father sees you, He knows you, He cares for you, and He loves you beyond you can fathom. And I want you to know that you can be real and authentic today with Him. Your feelings and thoughts are not gonna scare Him. You can be raw before God. And, and I don't want this to be, be a cliche message, a trite message of, okay, Jesus loves me, I got it. It's only gonna be a, a cliche message if you allow it to be. But today I want you to not just allow it to be a cliche message, but to be a message that, that changes your life. A profound truth that Jesus, the God of this universe, loves me. So talking about fathers, I love in the Bible um, that if you could go back to the original language that father is, is the word Abba, and I'll bring it up on, on Abba, A-B-B-A. Not, not, the, not the band Abba, you know, but Abba. And I love it because when I see this word, I can't help but see that it's the same word forwards than it is backwards, A-B-B-A. When that happens, it's called a palindrome. Never knew that, I looked it up, so I'm not that smart, but that's what it is, a palindrome. Um, this means the same word spelt forwards and backwards. And when I see it, I, I just can't help think but of this profound image that Abba, our God, our Father, that He's the same. He's the same forwards and backwards. He's the same from the beginning to the end. He won't ever waver. He's faithful, he's a constant, he's always gonna be his, the same. His love for you will never change. It's always gonna be forwards and backwards, whichever way you take it, God loves you from the beginning to the end. And, and, and I love that, that God has this love for you that is so constant, so unchanging, so unwavering, and that love should help us see the world differently. That if God, the creator of the universe, that if that God loves you, it should give you what uh, Dr. Loritz talked about last week is God confidence. Or as I like to call it, Godfidence, right? Godfidence, yeah. Uh, man, you know a guy that had Godfidence is, uh, is David in the Bible, when we see him as like a, a shepherd's boy, right? Going before Goliath. Um, 
You know, I feel like if, if, we, if we went back then and we were one of the soldiers on the, on the field when David came down, we wouldn't have seen confidence. We would have seen David as this little arrogant kid that just thinks he's all that, right? Like, let's just be real, right? David's, David's a shepherd's boy. He's this little kid, and he turns up onto a battlefield surrounded by men, surrounded by trained warriors. And every time Goliath came out, it said the men were so afraid of him that they were literally shaken because they were afraid of Goliath. And then here comes David like, oh, I'll take him. Like, you'd be like, this little, hmm, yeah. You know, like, that, that's, I just feel like that's how it would be. Like, who does this guy think that he is? Yeah, yeah David had Godfidence, right? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't arrogance. It was... It was the fact that David knew who his God was. Because what does he say? He says like, this Philistine, Goliath, is defying God. The same God that protected me when I went after the lion and bear that tried to kill my sheep is the same God that will protect me against this Philistine. It had nothing to do with David. He was just confident in who his God was. You see, a lot of us would have said, like, David's taking a huge risk here going up against Goliath. But David's risk had reassurance, and he knew who God was. He had God's stamp of approval. So David could stand before a giant in confidence. Get this, even when everyone around him said, you can't do this. You look it up. You read about it. Everybody around him was like, David, you can't do this. You're just a kid. You're inexperienced. You're not trained. You're a shepherd's boy. This guy, he was trained as a warrior from a young boy, and now he's a man. David, you can't do this. But David wasn't concerned what everybody else was saying. He was only concerned on who his God was. You see, when you know someone more important approves of you, it makes the opinions of others less significant. I'll say that again. When you know someone more important loves you and approves of you, it makes the, other, it makes the opinions of others less significant. When God loves you and you know what he thinks of you, it makes man's comments less significant. And that's what I love. I love about the story of Jesus, right, that he's just got baptized. And the next chapter, chapter 4, we find him in the wilderness. And it says he was tested. It says, then Jesus, this is chapter 4, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I don't know about you, but if I hadn't, if I hadn't ate or drank for 40 days and 40 nights, I would be hungry. I'd be a little worse for the wear. I'd be feeling a little weak. And then it says, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God. Now, don't miss this. I feel like this is so profound. We leave chapter 13, the heavens open, the dove ascends down, and you hear the words from the father saying, this is my son. The very next chapter the devil comes and says, if you are the son, don't, don't miss that. The devil will always come and attack 
your identity. He did it to Jesus, he'll do it to you. We have an identity crisis in our culture today. We all struggle with our identity. Who am I? What is my purpose? We all struggle with feeling love, feeling like we matter, feeling our value. Our identity needs to be in God loves you. And that's what the devil's gonna do. That's what the enemy's gonna do. He's gonna become a thief in your life and he's gonna try and steal from you. The Bible says the, the enemy comes to rob, steal, and destroy. Talking about stealing, uh, this, this past Friday, I was actually at Home Depot. I was picking up uh, just a couple things and, um, and I, I witnessed somebody literally steal from Home Depot. Um, it was a bizarre experience. Um, I walked past the guy and he was wearing a bright orange busy vest, you know, like kind of like the workers reflective stuff. Okay, give me some, uh, it's okay, you know what I'm talking about, okay, yeah. I don't, like, I just don't know what words are anymore. Vizzy vest, is that the right word? Yeah, okay, we'll go with it. Anyway, um, he walked past me and uh, there's just these moments where I'm like, I just assumed he was a worker, he's all in orange and, and, uh, and he was just kind of been a little rude. So I'm like, oh yeah, didn't really think much of it. Anyway, as I was leaving, he's, he comes out the side of me and he's got a cart full of like tools, like just stacked up. And as we walk out of the store together, the alarm goes off and I'm like, this is weird. Like I'm looking at my bag and I notice this guy, he just walks off and he starts loading all this stuff up into a rental u-haul and just like starts to drive off next thing i know the woman's coming out she's trying to take pictures and i and like I, I i put together like this dude doesn't work here he just walked out of the store with all this stuff and just drove off so so anyway i jump into my car like i just go into like hot pursuit mode man like i jump in my car i'm, like, I'm gonna track this guy down i got him so i get get right up to him on the next slide i'm taking pictures of his license plate i call the store and i'm like hey guys did, did somebody just rob something from you because like i'm on this guy like i'm right here right now i got his license play like I can follow him like I was like ready to go and and the guy in the store was like oh let me, let me just check he's like oh, all right security guy's not here anymore he's like it's fine and I'm like what wait, wait, wait like I, he's right here in front of me like I can see the stuff I can see the truck and he's like oh it's it's fine don't worry about it <laughs> like, what you what you mean don't worry about it I'm like he's stealing from you guys like do you want do you at least want his license plate number like I can give you that he's like no 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 you're fine don't worry about it and like it just bothered me all day like I learned that apparently like these big box store have insurance that they're just like we don't care we'll just let them take it but anyway he bothered me so much I don't know if it was my justice side but I was just like this guy's right in front of me he's stealing from you and you're just like ah, it's okay it's just, it's just what happens. And, and it just it stayed with me all day. And, and it tormented me. And, and I just felt like, as I was wrestling with it, as I was preparing this message, I just felt like God say, that's what we do time and time again with the enemy. We just let him get away with it. Or the guy on the other side of the phone that's just like, it's, it's fine. Like, I start to worry, I start to have anxiety, I start to feel like I, I lost my value, and instead of fighting for him, fighting for the truth, and getting into the word, and getting for God, we just kind of like, it's just the way I feel. And yet the enemy is stealing from you. Don't let the enemy steal your value, your identity, or your purpose today. I could go on and talk about how the enemy comes in disguised, 
like, like things that are helpful, like, like the guy in the, the Home Depot, like he was wearing, he looked like he was helpful when really he's stealing from you, but we don't have time for that today. So the devil comes and he says, if you are the son of God, he says a couple things, make these bread become, make these stones become bread, and Jesus pushes back. He fights with the truth. He uses his, his scripture and he says, no, that's, that's not it. I am the son of God and this is what the scripture says. And, and then the devil comes back and he says the same thing. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. Questioning his identity again. And Jesus comes back and uses the word, uses truth and fights back and says, no, you don't, you don't put God to the test. This is what his word says. He, he fought for his identity. And then finally, the devil changes his tactics a little bit takes him up to the highest mountain and shows him the kingdom of the world and says, all this I will give you if you bow down to me. And Jesus said, you shall never worship the Lord. Uh, you should only worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, the devil came after his identity twice. Then he tried to get him to chase the things of this world. Don't let the enemy steal from you today. Don't let him distract you. Don't let him question your identity and get you to chase after the things of this world. You see, I, I, I feel like in this moment, I don't know, I'm just making this up, this is how I feel, is that Jesus took into the wilderness with him just the truth from his father. This is my son who I'm well pleased. I feel like when the devil was coming at him, he was just reminding himself of that. My father is well pleased. And today I want you to know that God loves you. He validates you. If you're in relationship with him, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. So I don't know where you are when you walk with God. Maybe, maybe you're struggling to know that he loves you or allowing that love to actually move from your head to your heart and changing your life. But I want you to leave this place with no confusion. Somebody asked you next week, what was the message about? I just want you to say, God loves me. That's the one thing I want you to take from this place. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're in the wilderness right now. Maybe you're fighting it. Maybe you're struggling with your value, your worth, your identity. Maybe it's hard to remember in that wilderness that God loves you. I get it, I've, I've been there. But with that in mind, I, just, I wanna wrap up and I, I wanna leave you um, with the writings from Nightbird. Um, has anybody heard of Nightbird? You might have heard of her recently. Some of you may have heard of her, some of you may not. Um, her story's been blowing up recently. Um, she, uh, she was a worship leader at Liberty U and she'd faced a terrible struggle with cancer. I won't go into all the details, but recently she was on America's Got Talent and she shared a little of her story. I, I really recommend you go, go watch it. Just type in Nightbird, America's Got Talent audition. Um, she's such a light for God. And recently I read these words from her uh, that just brought me to tears. It's beautiful and it's just so real, authentic, and I just think it paints a picture of who God is, even in the midst of our battles and our struggles, that He still loves us. And so, I just kind of want to read this, and um, yeah, I just want you to kind of reflect on it. She said, after the doctor told me I was dying, after the man I married said he didn't love me anymore, chased a miracle in California, and after 16 weeks, I got it. The cancer was gone. But when my brain caught up with it all, something broke. I later found out that all the tragedy at once had caused a physical head trauma and my brain was sending false signals of excruciating pain and panic. 
I love this. She says, I'm God's downstairs neighbor, banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. I show up at his door every day, sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes with apologies, gifts, questions, demands. Sometimes I use the key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I've called him a cheat and a liar, and I meant it. I've told him I wanted to die, and I meant it. Tears have become the only prayer I know. Prayers roll over my nostrils and drip down my forearm. They fall to the ground as I reach for him. These are the prayers I repeat day and night, sunrise, sunset. Call me bitter if you want, that's fair. Count me among the angry, the cynical, the offended, the hardened. But count me also among the friends of God. For I have seen him in rare form. I have felt him exhale, laid in his shadow, squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout. I'm sad too. If an explanation would help, he would write me one, I know it. But maybe an explanation would only start an argument between us. And I don't want to argue with God. I want to lay in a hammock with him and trace the veins on his arms. I remind myself that I'm praying to God who let the Israelites stay lost for decades. They begged to arrive in the promised land, but instead he let them wander, answering prayers they didn't pray. For 40 years, their shoes didn't wear out. Fire lit their path each night. Each morning, he sent to them mercy bread from heaven. I look for the answer to the prayers that I didn't pray. I look for the mercy bread that he promised to break, bake fresh for me each morning. The Israelites called it manna, which means, what is it? That's the same question I'm asking again and again. The mercy somewhere, but what is it? I see mercy in the dust of the sunlight that outlines the trees, in my mother's crooked hand, in the blanket my friend left for me, in the harmony of the wind chimes. It's not the mercy I asked for, but it's mercy nonetheless. I learned a new prayer, thank you. It's a prayer I don't mean yet, but I will repeat it until I do. Call me cursed, call me lost, call me scorned, but that's not all. Call me chosen, blessed, sought after. Call me the one who God whispers his secrets to. I am the one whose belly is filled with the loaves of mercy that were hidden for me. Even on days when I'm not so sick, sometimes I go and lay on the mat in the afternoon light to listen for him. I know he sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is there, even now. I've had it, heard it said that some people can't see God because they won't look low enough. And it's true, look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. You guys stand with me. God loves you. I don't know where you are in, in life or we're all facing our own battles. Each battle looks different. Maybe you're at the, the pinnacle of a mountaintop. And man, praise God for that. Maybe you came in today and or you tuned in online and you're just looking for hope. Maybe you're not on the mountaintop. Maybe you're finding yourself on the bathroom floor. But I just want you to know, regardless of your circumstances, your situation, God loves you. So when you ask the question, who am I? 
I want you to respond with, I'm a child of the most high God. I'm loved by him. I'm molded by his hands. I was dreamed up in his heart and he placed me on this earth for a purpose. Amen. Let's pray. But God, I just thank you and I praise you for today. Thank you just for this day of life that you've given us. Lord, we know your word to be true. We know you're a man of your word. And we know that you love us. That you did not spare your own son for us. So why would you spare us anything else, Lord? Your love for us is so grand, so great. Help us today to let that move from our head into our hearts. Let your love be the driving force behind everything that we do. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen.